Curiosity is not a sin, Harry, but you should exercise caution. He's a time strand. You're fraternizing with the enemy. There's the, um, the Cruciatus curse. We'll celebrate a boy who is kind and honest and brave and true right to the very end. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, we are back with another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We're doing chapter five, Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. I got the name right again. What a tongue twister of a chapter. Uh, Molly's back with us. Hello. Uh, What a perfect chapter to have you on for a whole lot of Weasley talk. Oh, I love the Weasleys, if in case you guys didn't know that. (laughs) Unlike the last chapter where it misled us by the chapter title of Back to the Burrow. Right. We're actually at the borough now, uh, not just traveling to the borough. Yeah. Hot take. They should have switched the titles of these chapters. You could have. Honestly, yeah. yeah that's yeah. a really good point. Yeah. I actually never thought about that until you just said that. Yeah. I wonder if that's a mistake. I wonder if she looks back on that and goes, oh. Whoops. Hot take. Anyway. Uh, so... <laughs> You're welcome. So. <laughs> Episodes with Molly. <laughs> Uh, the, the chapter, which Molly will dive into her Weasley love rant uh, in a second. But uh, speaking of the last chapter and Fred dropping a, a toffee to Dudley, we get the fallout from said event here. <laughs> and we get introduced to two new Weasleys. Not exactly new. We've known of them. But now we meet them yeah. for the first time. Uh, Bill and Charlie. And... Mrs. Weasley is being a hardcore mom. Oh, so mom in this. Positively and negatively. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. Uh, <laughs> Percy is all about cauldrons. <laughs> we get formally introduced to uh, Ron's new owl, uh, who annoys all of the other owls. Aww. Not just Hedwig. Yes. But, you know, he tries. Uh, and... Uh, then we get into a little bit of the Quidditch World Cup talk. We get a little bit of happenings going on at the Ministry. And I just love the line of Fred and George at the end of this. Yes. Um, but we'll get to the end of the chapter when we get to the end of the chapter. <laughs> so to start off, we get this whole blowback of Arthur coming back through the, the fire after he fixes Dudley's tongue, after he presumably, I hope, puts together back together the, the front room of the Dursleys. I hope he at least did that. Yeah. Um, but he does, he fixes those two things and comes through furious at the twins being like, what did you do? Why did you do this? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, Fred and George have their typical snarky comeback ready to go. And Arthur makes a very dad threat of just wait until I tell your mother about this. <laughs> it's just unfortunately timed because Molly came through the door at that specific time says, tell me what. <laughs> tell me what, Arthur. And you have you very much get the vibe, or Harry gets the vibe of like, clearly he was not going to actually tell Molly. Is just a threat. Yeah. Um, but it is now out there in the world and now we're going to have to deal with it. Yep. As they're dealing with it, <laughs> the trio go up the, the winding stairs of the burrow and have their own, like, check-in. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Percy. We meet Percy on one of the landings. He is disgruntled because he needs to concentrate, Molly. He does. He needs to focus. He does. On what? On those thin bottom cauldrons. Yes. Thin bottomed cauldrons is what he's spending his summer working on. Yep. Nothing like some thin bottom cauldrons. <laughs> As opposed to thick bottom <laughs> cauldrons. <laughs> Yes, you're welcome. I can make so many jokes right now. I'm going to refrain. I'm going to refrain. Okay. So... PG. PG-ish. Yeah. Uh, he's trying to make the world a better place. It's all good. So, on a serious note, you could not have picked a more mundane topic for Percy to illustrate just how annoying he can be in his work habits. Uh, yeah. Like, if it was... Uh, you know, we talked about how this might be the position that I go into in the ministry because it's international magical cooperation. Yeah. This would be awful to yeah. work on. It's the most mundane thing ever. Which, I guess, granted, kudos to Percy for taking it seriously and trying to do a great job on it because I'm sure it is necessary. Yeah. So that you don't have cauldron failures. Like, there are people working in our actual government <laughs> that work on, like... You know, product failures yeah. and recalls and things like th of that nature. So it's a thing. Yeah. It's real, as much yeah. fun as Ron likes to make of it. I feel like they gave this to Percy because I'm sure no one else wanted to do it. And he's the eager new guy. Oh, 100%. You know, what the like... new guy take the cauldron research? <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's on it. We're going to set up the Quidditch World Cup. You take cauldrons. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so he he yells at them for making too much noise. Ron uh, briefly gets into his room, shows them uh, Pigwidgeon, which Ginny is here. Pig. We find out that Ginny named the, the little owl. Yeah. But he's all a flutter, which annoys all of the older owls. Oh. Yeah. I, I kind of feel bad for the little owl. I mean, he's just trying. He's just I energetic. Love, I love pig, but then again, what magical creature animal do I not love? I'm sure I can come up with one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I will still find a way. It's my inner Hufflepuff to be like, no, he's cute. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's like a red cap or something like that that's like literally pulling people into like their deaths. <laughs> and I'm sure but maybe that's how you get lured by the red cap is like. Yeah. Wow, you are so adorable. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's it. They I'll, already got you. I'll find a way to feel bad for him and yep. want to adopt him into my pet clan. Fair enough. <laughs> they end up going back down the stairs after a brief visit. And they have this set of... They're setting up for the dinner that night. And Mrs. Weasley is tersely... Still upset from the the Fred and George shenanigans of the Weasley's wizard wheezes, mm -hmm. uh, which Ron tells us they're literally inventing stuff. Like we all thought the Ginny, I think, says all the explosions that we heard in the room. We just thought they liked loud noises. <laughs> I love. Turns that line. out they were actually doing things that were important. Um, I'm just picturing just like explosions and like pots and pans clanging. Mm -hmm. Maybe some. Thin bottom cauldrons. Or thick. Maybe some thick bottom. 
Yeah. And I, hey, the twins do it right. They go with the thick bottoms. I'm sure that they do. Of course. Anyway, back to Mrs. Weasley. So, sorry. <laughs> we get to uh, her tersely getting ready for dinner, and she gives everyone the chores to do to get ready. Mm-hmm. And you get this side of Mrs. Weasley in this whole Fred and George thing. As, you know, she complains that they didn't get enough owls. She's obviously holding them up to the uh, standard that Bill, Charlie, and Percy have all set, Mm -hmm. which is excellence. Um, So it's a high standard for any of them to hold on to. And the twins are obviously smart, engaging individuals, which she acknowledges. Like, they obviously have brains. Like, they're smart kids. Yeah. But they don't ever apply themselves. They don't ever do this. They don't ever do that. It's a very much a mom nagging her kid kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a mom momming, if that's a word. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about this whole Mrs. Weasley thing? So, as everyone knows, big fan of Molly Weasley. Big yes. fan of the Weasleys. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it it is tough because I want so badly to be like. But Molly, they're going to be amazing kids, and they are amazing kids. But I can also see, you know, like, how lucrative will this be? Why don't you just want to be in the ministry and, Mm -hmm. you know, be the status quo? And When you have a son working for Gringotts, you have a son working with dragons you have a son in the ministry your husband is in the ministry Mm -hmm. and you want to run a joke shop yeah that's your ambition that's your lot in life is running a joke shop that's the best you can do yeah uh i could i get her disappointment but at the same time it's frustrating like they're still kids they're still like 15 right or 16, I guess they're 15, 16, somewhere in that range. And it's like, you could, like, actually look into it. Yeah. Do these things actually work? Right. Do you, are they successful? They're literally trying to invent stuff. The The trick wand right. in this scene seemingly works wonderfully. Yes. Tricked her. Right. <laughs> so it's a little frustrating because maybe, you know, try fostering that support a little bit more. Right. It's hard to be like these can hurt people right like you just got in trouble for blowing up a person's tongue if right. that goes poorly right like that's a problem right yeah <laughs> and you weren't even there to make sure it went well or poorly right. how are you going to adjust that right for next time exactly so it's tricky and they said they didn't even want to test that one on themselves like they were trying to find someone to test that on because it was like i don't know if i want to do, do that one. Yeah. yeah. So it's a little morally sketchy, mm-hmm. <laughs> like what they're trying to do. Yeah. Which I guess Mrs. Weasley's a little uh, hesitant on, to say the yeah. least. Yeah. I mean, as a mom, too, you don't want to see other people get hurt because of your kids. Very true. You yeah. Know? And this was clearly a targeted thing. Yeah. As much as they try to play it off as like, we were experimenting. Right. Clearly they were targeting Dudley. Right. Here. And I mean, moms, I'm not a mom. I'm a dog mom. <laughs> but I'm not a mom. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, too, moms are still human, right? 
they're still going to have things that annoy them. You know, and anytime you have a family and you're a member of a family, your kids, I'm sure, are going to just make you angry and you're just going to have your moment where you're just like talking to yourself or thinking to yourself like, ah, these kids, you know, and I think that's a very true moment of that. Yeah, I think the twins put Mrs. Weasley through a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I feel like most of her stress uh, from her kids come through with those two. Yes. Um, she's not really a fan. The The toffee that they end up dropping, uh, they have given it the moniker Ton Tongue Toffee. Yes. Uh, a lot of alliteration here. Weasley's Wizard Wheezes, Ton Tongue Toffee. Oh, man. Yeah, and you're doing great with it. Thank you so much. I've practiced. Clearly, I have not attempted it, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun twisters. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But yeah. Um, I just thought Mrs. Weasley in this chapter was uh, kind of interesting to follow with her aggressive reaction. Oh, yeah. Uh, to Fred and George experimenting some more. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, even my dog sometimes, as a dog mom, he annoys me. I just would be like, Odin, stop barking at people. Do better. Do better. <laughs> <laughs> Earn more doggy owls. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Moving on from Fred and George, who have a burgeoning business. Yes. Uh, we get some first descriptions of Charlie and Bill. So, again, I just mentioned Charlie works with dragons in Romania. Bill works for Green Gods. Uh, I think you have the descriptions of the two? Yes holding out a large hand which Harry shook, feeling calluses and blisters under his fingers. This had to be Charlie, who worked with dragons in Romania. Charlie was built like the twins, shorter and stockier than Percy and Ron, who were both long and lanky. He had a broad, good-natured face, which was weather-beaten and so freckly that he looked almost tanned. His arms were muscular, and one of them had a large, shiny burn on it. Bill got to his feet, smiling, and shook Harry's hand. Bill came as something of a surprise. Harry knew that he worked for the wizarding bank Gringotts, and that Bill had been head boy at Hogwarts. Harry had always imagined Bill to be an older version of Percy, fussy and rule-breaking and fond of bossing everyone around. However, Bill was, there was no other word for it, cool. He was tall, with long hair that he had tied back into a ponytail. He was wearing an earring that looked like a fang dangling from it. Bill's clothes would have not looked out of place at a rock concert, except that Harry recognized his boots to be made of not leather, but of dragon hide. I almost wonder, is there like a PETA in the wizarding world, like dragon hide boots? I would say yes. I would assume there's some version of that Yeah. in the wizarding world. I would think there would have to be. Yeah. But I mean, that's uh, when you're talking about like dragon specifically. Yeah. I feel like dragons are their own PETA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I yeah. mean? Who's going to really mess with the dragon? Yeah. You need to be a very specific type of very true. witcher wizard like, to feel comfortable doing that. Like Charlie. Like Charlie. Yeah. The description of Charlie that always gets me is the so freckly, it's almost like he's tanned. Mm -hmm. I never think of him that way. Yeah. I don't know why. No. I think of him as more like looking like the others, but mm -hmm. no, that one always gets me. Yeah. I always think of him as a stocky, muscular type, but never that freckly. 
Oh, I think of all the Weasleys as just lanky and red-haired. Really? Yeah. I, I always think of Bill as this description, though. Like, yeah. That, for whatever reason, that Bill description has always stuck with me word for word. I don't yeah. know why. Yeah. But, yeah. Speaking of mothering, uh, <laughs> does not like the fang earring. No. <laughs> uh, which leads to Bill saying, like, oh, man, the bank doesn't really care what I wear as long as I just bring them home treasure. Yeah. Which, I'm not sure. What do you think, what do you think about that whole idea? Of Bill bringing home treasure. I would want to know more how he's requiring the treasure, right? Yeah, is he is he breaking curses on uh, like tombs and such, right? And just taking like what's in those tombs back to England and putting it in Gringotts. Yeah, that also is weird. Like, right. is there not a Wizard Museum? No, they're or a bank. Gringotts just the museum. Who gets that wealth? Is it right. Gringotts? Is it the Ministry of Magic? Right. Who gets that wealth? Do the goblins that work at Gringotts, like, do they feel obligated to have these? Is there vaults that just belong to Gringotts at the very, very bottom with all of this treasure? Right. Like, there's so many questions here. So many. But... I was thinking about this. Entitled, not obligated. Yeah. Yeah. It, I just... I, this has been a bigger topic in the real world recently. Uh, if anyone watches John Oliver, uh, he just did an episode on museums. Mm -hmm. And how a lot of their artifacts are actually stolen. from, yeah. Not donated. Stolen from countries. Through art dealers and other things of that nature. And... Yeah, it just got me thinking, like, we, li he literally says, bring back treasure. And I'm just yeah. like, how does that work? Because yeah. now that we've, I mean, we're approaching the Quidditch World Cup with other magical countries mm -hmm. outside of England. We've had the uh, Fantastic Beast movies, which have shown us other countries' versions of Ministries of Magic. I'm assuming Egypt has a Ministry of Magic. I'm sure. I'm assuming they have... Their own curse breakers, mm -hmm. I would assume. How would they feel about Bill just taking, like... And if we're talking about history, like, Great Britain, England, mm -hmm. has... They had one of the widest reaches of any civilization. They reached all across the world. They've, they've taken quite a bit. From a lot of different places. Yeah. From, like, India, and Hong Kong, and yeah. Africa, and North America, and... yeah. Yeah, and this seems to be more of that. Yeah. But just in the wizarding world. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. I honestly, I don't know either. Don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It just, it perked my interest and I'm like, yeah. I like Bill. And I want to like Bill. But I don't know if I agree with this line of work. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's cool. Curse yeah. breaking is cool. Yeah. He's cool dude. But if you think about what he's actually doing it for. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Let us know what you think on that. Or if I'm just way overreacting and I'm coming out of nowhere. No. But let us know. But anyway, I thought it was kind of interesting to kind of pull that out. Oh, totally. Uh, Percy gets a big chunk of this chapter, switching to yet another <laughs> Weasley because there's a lot of them. Oh, there's so much Weasley in so it. So many Weasleys. So Percy spends a lot of this chapter discussing... Uh, 
discussing his work. Oh, Percy. Both outwardly and kind of, I mean, everything Percy really does is outward and smuggish. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, we learned that Mr. Crouch is Percy's boss. And, uh, side note, he drinks elderflower wine at dinner. Yes. That's such a Percy thing. Oh, yeah. Like, he clearly thinks he's, like, I, I don't know. I, not that drinking wine is above anything. I've drank wine. I've had wine a bunch. But elderflower wine. Yes. It's, like, very specific, too. Not like grape wine. No. Just, like. Not fruit wine. Just elderflower wine. Elderflower. That sounds so, like, yeah. uppity to me for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. Right. Maybe it's just because it's Percy. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that was a side tangent. But yeah, he's talking about the culture and things. He's talking about <laughs> he's talking about uh, the World Cup. Thin bottomed cauldrons. There's a need for thick bottoms, is what he's. <laughs> Percy's very concerned with thick bottoms. You have to let him have his likes, Molly. Let him I have know. his interests. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> anyway, so. Uh, he's talking about that. He's talking about the Quidditch World Cup and all the uh, commotion going on at the ministry uh, because of it. Uh, he mentions Ludo Bagman. We have a new character name. Ludo Bagman, who's the head of Department Magical Games and Sport. Uh, he mentions that he doesn't think much of Ludo. No. Uh, and you see right here, when he says that, Arthur chirps in and was like, I have never really had bad thoughts. Like, I, yeah. He's fine. He's fine. He's not great. He's not bad. Yeah. He's uh, he's alright. He, he's a fine dude. And you kind of see like Percy trying to be on his father's level mm-hmm. because he's working at the ministry now, so he's important. Right. But you do see a little bit of that friction now between the two of like they clearly have different ways about going about working at the ministry. To me, Percy is the new guy that wants to fit in. At work. And hang out with the cool kids. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Arthur, he's been around long enough. And his department isn't necessarily the most well-respected. And he's like, eh, whatever. I don't care. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I see through this. That just Percy wants to fit in so badly. Yes. so He wants to climb that ladder. He, I mean, that's essentially it. He just wants to climb the ladder as fast as he possibly can and he's going to connect himself to the ones he views yes as at the top of that ladder so he yeah. has a lot of respect for mr crouch yeah does not have a lot of respect for little bagman right. which primarily be- comes from uh the idea that one of his staff members bertha jorkins bertha jorkins mentioned anna where are you at bertha jorkins <laughs> is mentioned in this chapter but she's been missing for a while yeah and he doesn't ludo bagman doesn't seem particularly motivated to find her right uh ludo seems to think that he's or she is just lost because mm-hmm. sometimes she gets directions wrong and you know whatever she'll find her way back eventually yeah. she's been missing for over a month after visiting albania uh but percy goes and says well she's kind of a weird one too mm-hmm. because she's been shunted from department to department so from percy's point of view She's not really all that special and all that important anyway. Right. So, whatever, I guess. So he ultimately ends up taking the little Bagman route of, eh. Meh. It's weird that he wouldn't want to find her, but meh. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. 
Whereas Arthur takes then the opposite turn and goes, no, if a member of my department went missing, I'd, I'd try to find them. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> so it's weird, like, the tw- every position Percy takes, almost, yeah. Arthur takes the opposite yeah. in a diplomatic way, but he always... Definitely some friction yeah, there. Yeah, there's some very clear difference in opinions on yeah. how things should go. Do you think Arthur feels a little hurt, though, that, like, I mean, it's a natural progression of, like, a child-father-child-mother relationship in a certain way. Like, do you think he feels a little bit sad that um, Percy is idolizing Mr. Crouch and kind of like, eh, whatever, Dad? There's probably some of that, yeah. Um, I think it's indicative of, like... I think Arthur both knows his position at the ministry is not, like, yeah. as you said, highly thought of. Yeah. And that's essentially what Percy's going after, is the highest positions that he can get. Right. Um, and the misuse of muggle artifacts is not yeah. exactly yeah. where Percy wants to end up. Yeah. Which is, and I think Arthur is totally fine with it of, like, I get it. Mm-hmm. That's fine. It's not exactly where he wants to go. He has yeah. different interests and pursuits yeah i think he's much more like okay you do you do you yeah and whatever you're interested in go go after it yeah good take um because that's arthur to me yeah so and that's why he doesn't like he's upset at the twins right but he doesn't really crack down on them he'll yell at them like guys you can't do that right to you know, Harry's cousin. You can't right. do that there. <laughs> right. Do it to yourselves. Fine. <laughs> right. But when you start doing it to other people's children, yeah. you can't do that. Right. Uh, but that's like the as far as he goes with it. Right. Um, I could only imagine what he was like with Bill and Charlie. Yeah. I, I imagine he was outstanding because each one of these kids has vastly different ambitions and goals and, mm-hmm. and paths that they want to go on, which is a testament, I think, to Molly and Arthur. Yeah. Being able to foster such different passions. Right. But. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah. Um, so we get some of the Quidditch World Cup, and I'm going to take a second to nerd out, because we get sports and geography all rolled into one. Woo! Which, if you know who I am, sports and geography are, like, my <laughs> things. <laughs> Uh, so the Quidditch World Cup's kind of a big deal for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they mention, uh, they get to talking, because Charlie was the Quidditch captain, Mm -hmm. uh, so he's obviously invested in all of this, so he's talking to the twins and Ron and Harry about all of the, the happenings, and he mentions that Ireland flattened Peru in the semifinal, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I'm invested in that one, because I am part Irish. I also just visited Peru, (laughs) so um that's cool and and the idea that i think most people just disregard that peru exists in the magical world and it's a pretty cool place yeah yeah i could imagine like inca wizards would be so sweet oh yeah anyway (laughs) uh so that's cool um an interesting part that kind of jumped out to me as well uh transylvania blew out england 390 to 10 yeah which transylvania is not in itself a country. It's a part of a country. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting in itself. Yeah. But the fact that England got beat 
by 380 points. Yeah. That's a national embarrassment, right? Oh, smackdown. And I know we do have some listeners from the UK. Uh, first of all, thank you for listening. But second of all, I know English football, right? I know that if England loses a World Cup in the real world, World Cup match, it is life and death. Like, they live and die with football in England. Yeah. And they just got beat 380 points. Yeah. That cannot go over well. I think, uh, doesn't Charlie mention that it's an embarrassment or something mm-hmm. like that? I think he uses the word. Yeah. Anyway, JK gives us a great tour of the UK here because England got blown out. Wales lost to Uganda, which again is just cool that Uganda is a solid Quidditch team. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Scotland slaughtered by Luxembourg. Luxembourg uh, beat up on Scotland. So the UK not doing well here in the okay. in the World Cup. Then we have the fun fact that <laughs> the World Cup, the last one, went on for five days. Yeah. The World Cup final. And here he's like, oh, yeah, I hope it goes on for five days. And everybody else is like, <laughs> we have work. <laughs> you know, we got to... We got lives to live. <laughs> mainly, mainly Percy, but I, I do have to say, with Percy on that one. Yeah, hey, uh, five days is a bit extreme. Yeah. So I'm thinking about this. Sorry, if this non-spoiler is going on like way too long, our spoiler section is going to be crazy short. So stick yes. with us here. Yes. But could you imagine, like me as an athletic trainer, they'd have to have shifts of athletic trainers covering this. Oh yeah. Because the way I understand it is. It goes from, like, dawn to dusk. Yeah. Like, I think they, and well, I think they stop for certain periods for, like, the players to actually, like, sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah. Could you imagine having to cover, or work, not even an athletic trainer who's there for the injuries, like, concessions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, or, like, sales of any sort. Right. Like, you're there all the time. You're like, all you day. have to have major shifts. Yeah. I feel like, too, like, being an athletic trainer, like, you know, like, having to pay attention for injuries and what happened and all of that, like, oh, man, that would be rough. For all of these brooms going as fast as they possibly yeah. can. And, it's like, it would all be a blur. Well, what about playing? How tired you'd get. Yeah. Like, the chasers must be, like, Ugh. exhausted, right? The beaters, like... Like, if you're a seeker, I mean... Ideally, you're just sitting up there looking for the snitch. Right. But chasers yeah. must be just whipping around. Oh, yeah. That'd be hard. Yeah. But yeah, and then, could you imagine being like, oh, Molly, you know, I've been here for like six hours. Yeah. I think I'm just going to like go back to the tent. I'm going to, you know, have a have a lunch or a spot of tea. Mm-hmm. And then like you go. And then it's over. <laughs> like, while you're gone, you're right. there for six hours. Right. And then they catch the snitch or whatever, and you're like, no, no. I was there. I'd stay. I was going to stay. That would be awful. Yeah. That would be awful. Yeah. I do have a whole Quidditch breakdown that we can get to at some point later on when we actually get to the Quidditch World Cup. But uh, we can get to that. But that breaks into some of the discussions that we're having. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, they actually have, like, uh, Quidditch times and yeah. statistics. Oh, it's a really cool breakdown. It's going to be so cool. So, uh, yeah. But so we'll get into in. that. tune in. Yep. Tune in. Uh, we should be getting to the Quidditch World Cup here in a couple of chapters, I oh, think. So exciting. It's, a, it's a kind of a slow 
start, really. It's like a yeah. hot start with chapter one. Right. And then it's just kind of like plodding along at a very slow pace until mm-hmm. we kind of ramp up again. But anyway, this chapter, because I know we're running long, apologies. This chapter ends with what I think is just peak Fred and George. Yeah. And <laughs> Percy was sent a dung sample from Norway. <laughs> And they make fun of this fact. And Percy's like, well, it wasn't personal. It's just, you know, a sample that I got from this country. And Fred just leans in and whispers, it was. (laughs) Goes, it was. We sent it. It was definitely personal. We sent the sample. And I just ended the chapter on a good laugh out loud moment. I'm like, that's peak Fred and George. Like, that is it. Yes. Uh, that's the Fred and George we all love. Uh, just uh. nonsense for nonsense. It was such a good moment. So, yeah. uh, with that good moment, we will end the very, 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 very long non-spoiler. And we will be back with spoiler section. Below we'll talk about, we'll figure that out in the break. Till the stand! We're back with the spoiler section of chapter five. Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. Say that five times fast. Weasley's wizard wheezes, Weasley's wizard wheezes, we- uh, nope, I'm done. Good effort. I tried. You did. It's a tongue twister. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, honestly, there's not, we've talked about a whole bunch in the non-spoiler. I don't yeah. think there's a whole lot of room uh, to really dive into anything in the spoiler section. No. Uh, we might talk maybe a little Bill and Charlie, but... Yeah. Um, what uh, was some of your thoughts on the first couple of chapters here of Goblet of Fire? Um, definitely with you, Dan. Slim. So yeah, slim, man. First chapter starts off, you're like, all right, I'm back in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, next couple, you're just like, all right, come on. So your opinion? Worst chapter in the entire series? Chapter, chapter. two, the scar. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's bad. Uh, it's just not great. Not great. Real boring. Yep. And, you know, and we even had a, I think it was a paragraph in this chapter that was some recap. Well, they were talking about Quidditch, I think. Yeah. There was like a paragraph of like, Harry's good at Quidditch. Right. We've had three books of him. Literally, Prisoner of Azkaban was like four Quidditch matches. And he has the fastest broom. Aye. Yeah. Killing me. Anyway. (laughs) So what about Goblet of Fire going forward? Do you remember the first time you read Goblet of Fire? I do. Um, you know, ripped through it. Couldn't wait. One of those. Um, like, I, I think I said that I mentioned this earlier. Um, but, you know, I was I was super in it. You know, yeah, the first couple chapters were a slow burn. But I was like, all right, let's just, let's just go. Let's just go. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Goblet of Fire. It's probably one of my favorites just because of, like, all the action in it. I like that you get to see, you know, different wizards from different parts of the world yes. come in for the first time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I remember when I first read it too. They're like, I was like, wait, they're not gonna have Quidditch. Yep. What? And then they do the Triwizard Tournament, and I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the Triwizard so. is so. So cool, and I cannot wait to get there. Yeah. And part of that is the international aspect of it, which yeah. we have a ton of international things that we can pull from, but 
Yeah, the Triwizard Tournament's cool. Are you a fan of the Yule Ball or not? Um, I enjoy it. I do too, but I've heard a lot of like negatives on the Yule Ball. Yeah, um, no, I mean, I, I really, I like this book a lot. I think it's good. I think it's just coming from people's own anxieties about yeah. their middle school dances. <laughs> <Yes>. that, like, <laughs> yeah. You know, freshman year homecoming or whatever that yeah. uh, may or may not have gone well. Right. But no, I, I, I'm okay with the Yule Ball. And, I'm okay with it, yeah. Um, I believe Trelawney, doesn't she make an appearance? I believe she does. Um, and we can stick with our Trelawney Snape shipping. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, we're just going to make that our own headcanon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I've heard a lot of positives. People like that matchup. So yes. we'll go with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a lot to look forward to in this book. Yeah. And it's all really, really exciting. Yeah. I love Moody. I know there's some things behind Moody. There's a lot to to Moody, and, and I think we get to him in maybe the next chapter, yeah. or one of the next chapters is Mad-Eye Moody. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's he's an interesting character, Yeah. both in this book and forward. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there's a lot to him, but yeah. it's a cool, cool character. I like his class. Yeah. It's, it's another, we'll get our fourth different vibe mm-hmm. of Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Yeah. But, yeah. Do you have any particular memories reading this book or anything that kind of jumps out to you? Just remember the ending was phenomenal. Her endings are usually pretty solid. They are. They are. But I think just with what happens with Voldy coming back, like, all of a sudden you're just like, all right, I'm in for the ride. I can remember when this book came out, me reading those couple of chapters. Specifically, I think... I read one set of paragraphs. It was maybe two or three paragraphs, and we'll get there. But mm-hmm. And I'll point it out when we get there. But I read those few paragraphs mm-hmm. like 20 times in a row. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It was an obnoxious amount. I'll get to why when we get there, and it's yeah. going to be a long time from now. But because yeah. um, this, this book is big. It's yeah. a lot of chapters. Yeah. But um, I will say Moody has one of my favorite lines. Not in this book, but actually from the movies. Oh, is it now? Yeah. Would you mind saying that line? Mundungus. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say a completely different line. <laughs> which which we had actually gone over in the pre-prep for this. So we had, when we were doing the sound for the intro and then the break sound that we have, we had some fun with some of the Goblet of Fire <laughs> quotes, because obviously there's the big ones like, Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? You know, there's right. that one. There's the I can touch you now <laughs> quote, which is deeply disturbing. Now. <laughs> um, however technically accurate it is, still disturbing on a lot yes. of different levels. That's a 14-year-old child, but yep. let's not. And I won't lie, that never really occurred to me until <laughs> you were like, hey, Molly. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. You're right. Well, Moody has a great line from the movie as well, uh, <laughs> which I'm not going to repeat here. Uh, you can watch the movie for yourselves and you can probably pick it out. But anyway. Go hunt for it. Yeah. But we had some editing fun uh, <laughs> mixing some of those uh, into some ridiculousness. Yes. So. That's fun. Yes. Anyway, 
uh, before we go, we got introduced to Bill and Charlie fully. Yeah. Uh, they have some interesting trajectories as far as their character growth. We see, obviously, a lot more Bill than we do Charlie, to my chagrin. I like Charlie a lot. I don't know why, honestly. I've never really... There's not enough there, mm -hmm. other than that he's working with dragons in Romania, which is inherently very cool. So cool. But other than that, you don't... And he was Quidditch captain and yeah. this big Quidditch star prior mm -hmm. to Harry. So, I mean, there's those two things. But other than that, you don't get a lot from Charlie. You mm -hmm. get a ton more from Bill. Uh, but... I don't know. I've always, they've always intrigued me, the both of them. Oh, yeah. As just being like, if I were, if I were Ron, I would both want to be them. Mm -hmm. But also I could see him being like, yeah, 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 they're great. Why can't I just do my own thing yeah. and like be myself? It's a very tough position to be in yeah. for Ron. Well, they just seem like cool older brothers to have. Yeah. Like they do cool, like they do cool stuff. Like they just seem really chill. They're the antithesis of Percy. Yeah. Percy's trying to push his status upon you. Right. They know they have status. Right. They're just being brothers. Right. Of just like, yeah, 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 I work with dragons. Yeah, 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 I work at Gringotts, but right. let's make these tables float and fight each other. Exactly. <laughs> you, know, like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, that's where they're at. They're back home. They're not right. at work. They're like, hey, let's just, hey, have fun, relax, right. make Ginny laugh, make, you know, whatever. Right. It's, it's all good. Right. And that's what I think, you know, gives that burrow vibe. Right. Of yeah. family and friendship and laughter and yes. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think you were pointing out, like, just the vibe that was set in the descriptions of this chapter. <sighs> so in love with it. Just, like, that hazy, cozy, end-of-summer evening vibe that's going on in it. Like... JK gives these descriptions of like as the sun's setting like Mr. Weasley is you know making floating candles and Harry just is you know full for once like you know and 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 comforted and it's it's a good feeling it's a good feeling cuz you you don't get to see that a lot like there's so much turmoil with Harry and his life and it's nice to see those moments where it's like he's part of a family and just in a in a good atmosphere yeah so, I also very much enjoyed um the gnomes and Crickshanks with the gnomes <laughs> how the gnomes are like giggling and they're like this is so much fun running from the cat there has to be some inherent skill there in the gnomes oh yeah because that cat is still quick very smart very smart very smart yeah and they're avoiding the cat fairly like how could they run that fast yeah i want to see it i just want to see these little <laughs> potatoes <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere down the road, they're going to reboot these movies. <laughs> Molly's going to lobby for Goblet of Fire just for this one scene. You can make this movie, but... <laughs> and then it's like, well, we've had Elizabeth come on here and want specific details of the books. Molly's right. going to be like, oh, I'm going to give you details. And she's literally going to focus on gnomes outrunning Crookshanks for like five minutes of screen time. Everyone's going to hate me. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, yeah! 
<laughs> it's going to be great. I like it. Oh, my God. Well, on that note, <laughs> we should probably call it here. It's a short spoiler section, but hopefully you've enjoyed uh, the, the rest of the episode. Let us know on the Bill Profession thing. Let us know on Twitter and Instagram. Everything's been growing nicely. Shout out to our listeners from Sweden. And from we got new listeners from Guatemala and Argentina recently. So shout out to all of you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for checking in. Please check in with our Instagram and Twitter and let us know what you think. And we'll shout you out on the podcast. So thank you. And we'll be right back next week with Chapter 6. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts Apod.